Welcome to the Gridiron Show. Ollie doing it because Will can't be bothered to do the intro. Anyway, we'll break down all of week seven. Twickenham, there's the cards at the Ram. There's all the news. There'll be a little bit of nonsense and we reminisce about depleting Will's bar on his birthday last night. This is the Gridiron Show. This is the Gridiron Show. I thought I had enough time to eat some sushi. I didn't. This is the Gridiron Show with touchdown trips, getting you into the game. That's how it goes, isn't it, Will? Something like that? It is. That, that'll, that'll do, Pig. That'll yeah. do. Well <laughs> done, Ollie. I do like it when you do the intro. Thanks, mate. Sorry. Always strong work. Always strong. Um, yeah, welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with touchdown trips, getting you in the game. And we're just, in two weeks' time, Ollie, we'll be touching down in Houston, Texas, baby. Uh, ahead of our 10-day yeah. trip stacked with football. Yeah. It's going to be real exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, welcome to the, the uh, welcome to the show. Uh, due to me and Ollie being incredibly busy this week, unfortunately, we weren't able to make it to Rams or Cardinals practice. So we're not bringing you any interviews this week, and it's going to be quite a chilled-out show. A little look forward to Week 7, a reflection on an incredible matchup on Thursday night. A come-from-behind win for the Oakland Raiders to send the Chiefs to 4-2 and two and to basically rescue their own season with a, a first and goal which took four four attempts to actually finally make a play but uh, it happened and it was incredible and we'll get to that um we're recording this on saturday rather than the usual thursday or friday recording because thursday was my birthday friday we had a bit of a gathering at mine as ollie alluded to uh and today everyone's feeling a little bit worse for wear based on the whatsapp conversations that i'm uh, currently involved in so uh yeah thank you for all the lovely birthday wishes i got on twitter etc ollie sent me a lovely birthday message on Twitter, and then proceeded to delete it 10 minutes later and post uh, an Alan Partridge gift suggesting he didn't give a crap that it was my birthday. You're welcome, mate. So, You're welcome. I really appreciate it, buddy. Thanks. But I got your present, so... You did, and then you told me my wife was underwhelmed with it, and then when I went outside and asked her, she was like, no, I told him it was amazing. So classic just Ollie trying to stir stuff up. I just thought she was. I'm really sorry, Sarah. I'm really sorry. Um, but yeah, it was a really good fun night, and uh, I still... I've, I went up to the bar at the end of the garden to go and rescue my charge cable a, a few hours ago, having woken up at kind of one in the afternoon, having been gone going till about five thirty in the morning. Um, and I, I, I know I need to clean that bar today, <laughs> but have you ever worked in a, in a bar or a pub, Ollie? Yeah. Yeah. You know, after like a big Friday or Saturday night that when everyone's left and there's that real stale, yeah. horrible smell that's there. That's the kind of whiff it's giving off at the moment. So I feel like I want to go and open the doors and let it air for like a couple of hours yeah, first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was a great night. I really appreciate everyone coming. It was really good fun. No, so, we had a great time. Thanks, cheers, mate. Thanks for, thanks for your bar. It's a great bar. It was a great, it was a great time had by all. Although, uh, 
I think I think we need to keep you and Jeremy separate at all times when we're at any kind of social event. This is Jeremy, who me and Ollie went to Poland with, as listeners will remember earlier in the summer. Irish Jeremy. And you and Irish Jeremy decided that there were some snacks. I told people to bring snacks because we had plenty of booze. But like I knew that come like two in the morning, we'd need food. And actually, two in the morning... Ben uh, and uh, Chris, uh, two of our friends, uh, actually got an Uber to the nearest McDonald's slash 24-hour Tesco, bought some more alcohol, some more tonic, and went through the McDonald's drive-thru before coming back again. They walked so, through the McDonald's drive-thru? No, no, they got a, they got, they got a taxi there yeah. to the 24-hour Tesco, bought all the stuff they needed, then planned to get a taxi back. But when they got the taxi back, they got the taxi to go through the McDonald's drive-thru. It's genius. I really hope they got the driver a burger or something. I really hope so too, but I guess he, you know, got more money out of it because, you know, yeah, uh, of the extra time. So yeah. you know, swings yeah. roundabouts. Um, but yeah, you and Jeremy decided that you'd start basically peer pressuring people into eating <laughs> caramel chocolate digestive biscuits yeah. dipped in Doritos mild salsa. I would like to say that salsa, by the way, is literally everywhere. It's on the floor. It's on the chairs. It's on the bar. Ah, we have a culprit. Keelan had it all over his trousers. Well, there, there's the culprit, because Keelan just said today, I've, I woke up and it was all over my trousers. So he's the one that's throwing it about all over the shop. What time did you leave? About 4, 4.30. Yeah. Blimey. I was falling asleep by 4.30. I could, f- I, I have no other people spotted it, but I was sat on the sofa and my little eyes were going. <laughs> 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 Your tiny eyes. And, and bless her, like, uh, Alex was, like, me and Sarah are both tired. Alex, who was meant to be staying but ended up going home in the end, was still really upbeat and really, like, wanted everyone to get up and dance and stuff. And I'm just like, I just, I, I can't. Alex, just let it go. Just really let it go. martinis for you. Yeah, maybe I should have drunk. Uh, yeah. Maybe I should have drunk more espresso maybe martinis. You did, a, you did a great job, but we did peer pressure. Not maybe I should have drunk more. All of the limoncello was the worst. Yeah, okay, yeah, that, that was uh, that was bad times. <laughs> oh, God, the limoncello, limoncello gate. Um, but Jeremy and I decided to get people to eat caramel, caramel chocolate digestive dipped into mild Dorito salsa. You're the worst. But it wasn't me. Jeremy did it, did it to me, peer pressured me, and then, okay, yeah, then I sort of carried it on. Yeah, okay, I'm out of order. You're a disgrace. Yeah. So anyway, it was a lovely night. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, much like the night with the meatloaf video on the train, there are some videos and some photos which will never find their way into uh, into the public domain. Should we talk about Thursday Night Football? Oh, yeah. What a game. Uh, Oakland won crazy drive from their season, completely falling apart after a spectacular comeback, 31-30 to win over the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football. It was a game that had literally everything. We had uh, quick strikes to start the first half, uh, to start the, the first quarter, both teams scoring early on within the first couple of drives. We then had Marshawn Lynch being ejected from the game uh, after... Uh, uh, after an incident where he wasn't even on the field. Um, I mean, it, Lynch hasn't been the, the best back there, and Jalen Rashard had a really, really good game uh, on Thursday night. He had, had nine carries for 31 yards, I think, but four times through he caught the ball through the air, another 45 yards on top of that. He is the best back there, and him and DeAndre Washington make 
a bit of an interesting combination. Um, I'd much rather have that than have any Marshall Lynch in the game. But yeah, to get himself ejected, uh, there was a fracas. But to touch an official is so stupid. No matter whether you think your quarterback was being hit late, whether you think that, you know, whatever happened... Are you just uh, utter idiocy from Marshall Lynch? And I feel like the the Lynch Raiders experiment is done. I'm I'm so I'm so over it. So over it. I think I was over it before it started, but I'm really over it now. Yeah, I mean, I I foresaw that it wouldn't be any good. Um, and no one likes to hear from someone that said, oh, "I told you, to- told you so, told you so." I mean, that's basically what ninety percent of our podcast is when we get things right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we completely forget the times, like me not rating the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, that <laughs> <laughs> we get these things wrong. I have actually, I've, I've backpedaled on that. But um, what he's doing, rushing on like that, I, th- I know they can't. The NF- uh, the Oakland Raiders can't find him. Uh, or, or you dock him a week's wages. That's not how it works in the NFL. But if it was in our football or English football, it, he would have been fined week's wages. You know, he's he's costing up a a, a place on the fifty-three roster. He is being paid a handsome amount by the Raiders to play football, and he he won't be able to do it for one game of the season because of a really ridiculous way of getting thrown out, tossed out of that game, and then banned for the next one ridiculous ridiculous and the Raiders this is the kind of player that you were you you brought in you knew that this was just around the corner so they can't be surprised at it we had um uh, we asked questions on Twitter and an interesting one that came in uh from uh uh, from I'm just trying to find it again now because I've gone into a different page. Um, asking us which teams with a losing record, Adam asked this, uh, have the best chance of making the playoffs. Um, is is there an argument that the Raiders at three and four now they're off the four game losing streak, beating the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, you know, the Broncos having that bizarre loss last weekend? The Chiefs suddenly, you know, okay, they're down to five and two. I said four and two. I meant five and two. Um, down to five and two, but you know. Is there some argument the Raiders actually could turn this around here? Or did we see enough on Thursday night that said that they're a team who are going to go to the Bills, to the Dolphins and face the Patriots over their next three games and come out of that strong? Because And then the Broncos as well. That next four games is really, really decisive for the Raiders this season. Well, I think what goes in their favour is that, was it the first two games were out on the East Coast and they won them? Or no, they they lost it uh, in in Washington. They were abject, but they beat uh, the Tennessee Titans. Anyway, the 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 whole going crossing the continent to go to the East Coast is a, a bit of a myth this year for the Raiders. I don't. I think going over that side it could help them. And key as well, it's Derek Carr, four hundred and seventeen yards, three touchdowns. At times, he looked like the Derek Carr of old. All right, his completion percentage isn't great, but when Amari Cooper has a day like he had, uh, 11 receptions, 210 yards, two touchdowns, Cook was making some plays. I know Crabtree got that vital touchdown at the end as well. That receiving core suddenly looks really, really jazzy, really snazzy, doesn't it? And <coughs> uh, I like really, really snazzy. Yeah, so... A fan of that. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Although... I think you have to caveat with it, and the, the Chiefs went into the game as the worst passing defence, or one of the worst passing defence in the league, um, and 
allowing a, a guy who has looked off color at best this season in in uh, Amari Cooper to basically catch all over you was a a big problem for the Chiefs and maybe down the line could we be seeing a, a similar a Vikings esque fall from grace from the Chiefs I don't know I, I, I don't think we're going to see anything like that I think I, I like their secondary I still think that they'll uh, come through strong Alex Smith is still having a good season um, I, you know I think this was a wild game I think that Amari Cooper thing is he still had two or three big drops in this game despite having a big game it reminded me of that AJ Green game for the Bengals a couple of weeks ago where the stat line looks really impressive but actually he was responsible for three turnovers on that day which doesn't necessarily rank up on the stat sheet and this even though there were drops rather than turnovers the Raiders could have won this game potentially more handily if Amari Cooper was the playmaker we saw him to be in year one or, or year two but I still think Alex Smith looks good Kareem Hunt continues to be incredibly impressive um, I, I, I don't think the Chiefs have any problems that's why I think I, they're still my favourites to win the division by a country mile at the moment I'm just looking through the rest of the standings based on Adam's question there are a couple of other teams that jump out at me other than the Raiders I think the two and three Bengals um, uh, with the Ravens at three and three, and I expect they'll lose this weekend or get into that. Obviously, the Steelers at four and two. Okay, they look great against the Chiefs, but before that, haven't looked particularly impressive. So I still think the AFC North is up for grabs. Do you know what the two and four Colts? If they beat the Jags today and then get Andrew Luck back in a couple of weeks, the AFC South has been so abject and had so many issues with injuries. That that's another potential shout. Well, I think when the Titans, Marcus Mariota is back full and fit, and if they get Derrick Henry the ball more, I think they'll be a, a better team. Uh, the Cowboys at two and three, you'd argue, but with the Eagles as strong as they've been, um, uh, it would have to be as a wild card, I suspect, at this point. Um, and then the Buccaneers. I mean, the Buccaneers win this weekend. They go to three and three. The, yeah, the NFC South is looking strong, but you couldn't write them off. I think the 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 big obvious one for me is the Bengals. That's the one that make that I think could potentially turn this around, have the talent to turn this around. It's not being very well coached at the moment. Um, but the AFC North, as bad as it's been, that's the one that kind of that screams out to me a little bit. Not the Chargers? Um, or is the Chargers, because they've got 16, effectively 16 away games throughout the season, <laughs> you know, their own three at home, or, you know, home with, with air quotes. Um, so I think had they been in, in San Diego probably wouldn't have that record anyway um, but had they have have they had they had or had I can't even speak but had they had a, 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 an actual home field field with an advantage their roster is pretty talented so do you know what I'm going to go Chargers I like the Chargers uh, all right, fine. I'm good with it. Shall we? Dark. Shall we go through? We've had quite a few questions in. Shall we go through the questions and use those as our launch pad to talk about the games? And then, oh, do you know what? I like it when we do that. Yeah, let's do that way. Yeah, nice. great. Um, I mean, that will only cover about three or four games, but fine. you know, it, it helps us a little bit. Um, well, let's start off with. Uh, I'm going to have you track the games because we need to make sure that we do cover all of the games. Otherwise, we get in trouble with you know, angry. Bucks fans that we don't talk enough about them or something. Um, let's let's start off with the Philadelphia Eagles because Dave Cheeseman gets in touch at Cheesy Palace. It's just a great Twitter handle. How far can the Eagles go this season? Big test for us in the next three games. Washington, the 49ers, then the Broncos. I like that people are including the 49ers when they talk about uh, 
about potential tough schedules. Um, it is Monday Night Football this week. Uh, Washington travelling to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Already at the home and home in this uh, game. It's, it's funny that week seven we're already seeing these two game series completed. Um, the Eagles attempting to take a commanding three game lead in the NFC East. Um, they've won four in a row. And will complete the sweep over Washington after that thirty to seventeen win earlier in the season. Um, it was diff- It wasn't the, the kind of the last two wins over the Chargers and over Carolina. Who, admittedly, the Chargers now we've seen them win the last two on the bounce look more impressive than they had done. And Carolina we like a lot, but they've both been very. T- and we yet to see the Eagles have that really impressive beatdown of a team. They kind of. I think they've looked good on all phases of the ball. I think they're great in the trenches, and that's why I, I really like the Eagles this year. But we need them to have that game where they really, you know, the statement game that makes them look like a really great team. I don't know if that's coming Monday against Washington because I think Washington are in a good side and, and will fancy themselves to maybe go and get a bit of an upset. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. They haven't put out that performance, but it, it's always said that if you don't play well but you still get the wins then that's the hallmark of a good side. And they, in fits and bursts, they are playing well. And on one day, it may be the receivers that, that pick up the slack, or it will be LeGarrette Blunt in the backfield. The, the, the constant is that there hasn't been that fabled uh, drop-off in form or, or finding out from Carson Wentz. And he has been consistently very good throughout the season. And keep him healthy... Keep him upright with Zach Ertz, who had a, a real big game last week. Then you know the Eagles could perhaps that perhaps against Washington that would be the statement win. Just get the win, get the W, as uh, George W would say. Just get it, and then um, then they could move on and start and, and start really put stringing some good performances together. But Washington. Haven't they got a, a, a defensive lineman um, go out who has been really crucial? The guy, the name, the the, the guy's name escapes me, but he had a great game against uh, Wash against the Raiders on Sunday Night Football that you and I watched together on Talk Sport. Um, so without him and without the pressure that he was get, he was uh, getting to the quarterback. You mean Jonathan Allen? That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, I, I, thanks buddy. I, I like letting you go, dangle a little bit. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Allen has been really key for them. He's yeah. been a, a great pick uh, and has, has been massive for them this year. And actually, you're absolutely right. That could be a big miss, particularly against the Eagles. Interesting to find out, um, do we know from an Eagles perspective uh, whether or not uh, they're going to be fully fit this week? Because I know there was a, there was a, they had um, obviously Lane Johnson missing from last week's game. So that obviously uh, has potential for there to be a problem in that game. But uh, if he's back and they've not got Jonathan Allen, that's a really interesting point. Mm. And actually, this is what's interesting about this game overall. Maybe in a way, one for the purists, but you've got between these two teams, you've got two very good offensive lines performing above the level I think we expected. Yeah. You're two very good defensive fronts. Um, in Washington's case, maybe performing a little better than expected. The Eagles, I think we liked them last year as well. But And then they've just gone and added talent to that. So this could be a really gritty, hard-fought football game. We could see some really interesting play designs and play calls uh, from uh, from Jay Gruden in particular. I think that would be really interesting to see. In fact, that's a, that's a matchup I'm excited to see. Jay running that, that offense that you know has sprung the line 
likes of the Carl Shanahan's and the Sean McVeigh's of this world going up against the uh, the Eagles' defence and what they offer with their front, the different looks, the different blitz packages. Um, uh, we'll get on to uh, something really interesting about the Vikings that uh, Greg Rosenthal was saying about on the Around the NFL podcast that we'll get to in a little while about how their defense basically has two packages. Their 11 starters have all been there for three-plus years. They don't do anything fancy. They just do everything really well. Mm. Whereas the Eagles, it's like totally the other end of it. They have so many substitutions and changes and formation changes, but it's really great to watch when they confuse a good offense. And, yeah, I think I, this is a game I'm really excited about. Uh, from the Eagles' perspective, if they come through these next three games, two and one, and so they go out to seven and two, then, for me, they're probably a nailed-on playoff team. Yeah, and they'd take that all day long. From this point onwards, Eagles fans, I'm sure, would take that all day long. Um, I think it's quite good that they're, they're taking on Washington, what, 10 days since playing Carolina? 11 days, something like that, because Washington have a very similar back. Yeah, they're essentially getting a Monday night football game off the back of Thursday, actually. I didn't really think about it, but yeah. it's almost like an extra bye week. It almost is. And you get the chance to get a little healthier. You get a chance to scheme and prepare totally for what Washington are going to do. And similarly, Washington's offense is kind of similar-ish to Carolina's. You've got Chris Thompson back there as the third down guy who has actually been taking a lot of passing downs as well. And very similar to Christian McCaffrey. So they won't have to change too much in trying to scheme for him because Thompson has been fantastic so far, both in the passing game and also in the rushing game as well. So to finally actually answer Dave Cheeseman's question, I think the Eagles can go to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, <laughs> getting hysterical. Uh, NFL fan Wales asks us, and this is a massive game. We're in no way going in uh, in uh, the usual whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you time order on, here. Who are you picking on the gridiron predictor game? Oh, I'll be taking the Eagles. Yeah, I think I took the Eagles, yeah. Patriots hosting the Falcons in a Super Bowl rematch on Sunday Night Football. What a game. Yeah, this is great. What a game. This um, is great. NFL Fan Wales asks, do you think the Patriots can turn around their defence? Now, I know that uh, Matt Sherry will probably listen to this. I hope Matt Sherry will at least download it. That's the main thing. Um, yeah. The... The situation with the Patriots' defense is that it does this every year, where it starts off trying to figure itself out. And you've seen it over the course of the year, where they move from a more kind of zone scheme to a more man scheme. But actually, going up against the Falcons' offense this year, which hasn't fired in the way it did under Carl Shanahan, but it's still shown some interesting wrinkles at times. And it's actually been more on Matt Ryan, which is a shame, um, missing some throws uh, that, that caused them some problems in those two losses in the to the two AFC East teams at home. But actually, I think what's going to be interesting to see how Belichick schemes for this game, uh, and we've seen it a couple of times. We saw the Seahawks do it to the Rams. Um, when you've got teams who run these really intricate offenses where you can have guys coming out of the backfield, you'll run like 22 and 21 personnel packages. We've got two tight ends in, two running backs in. You know, When you're doing all this other different stuff, actually a zone defense tends to work better against that because when you've got your man-to-man assignment, that's when they exploit it. That's when they move a fullback in transition out to a wide-out position and a man goes with him so you can see that you've got a mismatch with the linebacker on somebody and then you make a completion. And, and So I, I think this weekend actually could be the Patriots could impress on defense more than we're expecting because I think that this matchup potentially suits them. Now, their weakness at linebacker, as it had been in previous weeks, 
I thought they showed up really well against the Jets, particularly in the second half. Carvan Noy had a couple of big plays. Uh, Donta Hightower uh, should be kind of back to full health at this point. Um, it'd be interesting to see what's happens in the corner situation, um, whether or not they're going to have everyone back and, and fully fit this weekend. Cause I think that has also made a, a massive impact. Um, Stephen Gilmore uh, has already been ruled out. Uh, Eric Rowe, it looks like I'm just getting back over this. Um, blimey, Eric Rowe also ruled out. So they're going to be missing two of their starting three corners for the second straight week. And the, and the Jets managed to move the ball on the Patriots for a good chunk of the game. So this is fascinating to see how the Falcons going up against the worst defense in the NFL statistically over the first five or six weeks of the season, if they can really exploit those weaknesses, having had such a poor year so far, but you just think the Patriots under the lights at home last week, wasn't the statement when they needed this weekend could be one and two at home. One, one and two at home. They're one and two at home, which, okay, 3-0 and on the road. One and two at Foxborough, and they lost under the lights the opening game of the season against the Chiefs. So, of course, everyone remembers that. So, this Foxborough being a fortress is a bit of a myth, especially this season. And we'll see what, obviously, we'll see what happens on Sunday Night Football. But, really interesting what you're talking about, the two, two of the three starting cornerbacks going out. Julio Jones, how many touchdowns off the top of your head do you think he's scored this season? Uh, Julio Jones? Yeah. I don't, has he got a score yet? He hasn't got a score yet, which is... I mean, that's incredible I, to think. It's, it is, I, this is one thing, and I, I think they maybe over-scheme it and overthink it. And yes, they've got a couple of decent tight ends there, particularly in, in, in Austin Hooper, but I don't understand why when you're in the red zone they never target julio jones they target taylor gabriel in the red zone Mm -hmm. who is about four or five inches shorter than julio jones doesn't have the same vertical leap so like julio jones the kind of guy who in coverage yes he's a speedster and yes he can get downfield and he can make those big plays but actually his toughness in making catches under duress is really underrated and i'd like to see them going to him in the red zone more um the fact that they've got a pair of great backs there is part of, you know, they tend to punch in yeah. touchdowns a lot of the time. Matt Ryan will never have the flashiest of touchdown throwing numbers. He's never going to have that kind of Peyton Manning 50 touchdown season because they've got that Freeman Coleman uh, pairing in the backfield. But yeah, I, 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 it's a fascinating point and I'd like to see Julio Jones have a bit of a breakout this weekend. Patriots on offense. I mean, Brady still played absolutely lights out in the second half last weekend and still, despite all of the injuries they've had on offense, you know, Chris Hogan's having a good season. Brandon Cook's having a great season. A couple of those big, long touchdown passes saving them. And the matchup is just, it's mouthwatering. Sunday Night Football is going to be absolutely brilliant this week. And I think I'm going to take... The Atlanta Falcons. I've taken the Falcons as well. Yeah, I think. I think I've th- probably made a horrible mistake there. Revenge but you know is what? a. I think revenge will play a big part of this. Matt Ryan, he's six touchdowns, six interceptions so far this season. Well, I, they gave up that big lead last weekend, yeah. and then obviously we all know what happened in the Super Bowl with the twenty-eight to three. You know, I, it, <laughs> the mental errors could be their biggest problem. When Julio goes big and he's due a big game he's he was not quite um fully fit last week i think he's getting back to or closer to full fitness this week 
Julio Jones, I predict, will have a massive game. Couple of touchdowns, 200 yards, something like that. And uh, the, the Patriots will get steamrolled, I think. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, let's uh, let's roll back ourselves a little bit and let's head to Twickenham. 6 p.m. kickoff this Sunday. Don't worry, it's half term. They're West Coast teams. The 6 p.m. kickoff's fine. No complaints for that at all. Famring a tweet saying, if Twickenham games are a success again, do you think a long-term franchise would be better suited there than to the new Spurs stadium? I, I, I don't, because the fact is with Twickenham, they had to, for the last year's games, knock through two changing rooms into one and agree with the RFU that they'd rebuild that wall after the game in time ready for the uh, Autumn Internationals two weeks later. That's like Twickenham. I love Twickenham. And I know that there's travel issues and there are obviously going to be travel issues with Spurs because, you know, anyone who has been to White, uh, White Hart Lane previously knows about how difficult it is to get there from like a tube and train perspective. But I, I, I don't want to hear any of that nonsense this weekend. Twickenham is a great stadium for live sport because it's an older stadium and it's been built up over time. You get that high rake to the seats. You get the, the feeling that you're closer to the turf. Like, I just think it has that much better atmosphere. Wembley feels great because it's new and the seats are lovely and comfortable. And it's, you know, it, it feels like a little bourgeois day out. But Twickenham is proper sports. Like, yeah. it feels like that kind of stadium. However, it's just a bit too kind of outdated to fit that. And Spurs are putting in the extra dressing rooms. They're putting in the extra pitch. I just, I can't see if a franchise came here, it would go anywhere else. So I'm really excited because not only are we getting to see a game at Twickenham, which is one of my favourite stadiums to watch sport in, but we're getting to see a Cardinals team coming off their best performance of the season. And don't let uh, Ryan Fitzmagic's 27 garbage time fourth quarter points fool you the cardinals were great last weekend going up against a rams team who are four and two are really really impressing uh, we get to see todd Gurley. we get to maybe see adrian peterson carry the ball more than five the rams run defense is really lowly ranked even though on paper it's great mm. but aaron donald was phenomenal last weekend for the rams at getting to the quarterback and creating that middle pressure we get to see a hall of fame wide receiver in larry fitzgerald an argument for him to be top three all time we had on the uh, NFL Sunday Night Live on TalkSport a couple of weeks ago. He's definitely top five all-time in my thoughts. This is going to be, a, 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 in theory, a great game of football. Now, we know we we don't know what to expect from the NFL this season. The Giants have proved that to us. You know, the, the Jags have proved that to us week in, week out by being terrible when we expect them to be good and then being great when we expect them to be terrible. Like... Uh, Every week we're stunned by stuff, but I would be surprised if this wasn't a really fun game of football on Sunday. Oh, 100%. I'm totally with you. I, I can't disagree with anything that you said there. Going to Twickenham is far more like going to, as a game experience, it's far more like going to a game in the States. And it gets a bad rap from people here because they're comparing it to going to Wembley, where the facilities are all nice and new, and as you said, all shiny. But if you want an, an authentic, as authentic as you can get experience, and with everything that they do with the tailgating outside the ground as well, Twickenham is 100% that. I know Greg Rosenthal, when he was over here last year, said it was like going like going to an old school game where the stadium is in the middle of the city okay it's not in the middle of the city but it's it's residential as you walk up from the um from the train station you walk up to the stadium it's a great ground great for international rugby great for club rugby and i'm i i think it's great for nfl 
However, it, they would you would you wouldn't see a, a team using it, uh, an NFL side using it, one for all of the reasons that you said, Will, but also there are a certain amount of um, large scale events that Twickenham are allowed to put on because of the. Uh, because of the housing associations and agreements with that. So an extra three or four games, I don't think it it would be feasible. But the game itself, yeah. I mean, Jared Goff has been a bit of a revelation so far this year. Okay, they're playing to his strengths. But the the player that I'm most, most, most looking forward to is Todd Gurley, who is not looking like the Todd Gurley that won the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2015-2016. Not like the Todd Gurley of last season where he was gunky, or a, a bit more gunky. Uh, he's looking like a, a really good dual threat in the passing game and on the ground player, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I'm really excited to see the Rams' defence. I mentioned it already, yeah. but Aaron Donald, incredible. Uh, Alec Ogletree, Robert Quinn, both having great seasons this year. I, yeah, I... I'm all in on the Rams. I love a bit of set of Burma. I love a bit of Wade Phillips. So yeah, really, really excited for this one. Um, I, I, um, I'm going, it's weird. I, the Cardinals just coming off that bit of momentum. And actually I've seen a lot more action from Cardinals fans than Rams fans. I'm worried this is going to feel more like a cards home game this weekend. I hope that people will, get behind the home team if they're a neutral fan because I think that's what you should do because the Rams have had to give up a home game to come here. Did you actually see Todd Gurley's comments about uh, essentially saying... Remind me. He essentially said, it's a 45-minute flight for us to get to Arizona. Instead, we've had to travel... Well, if we'd not been in in the East Coast last week, we'd have to travel what is the equivalent of 13 hours. I don't see the point, basically. Um, I think it's really interesting. It raised... uh, It's raised that question of, you know, how happy players and coaches are with the London games. And there was a really kind of... A really... Not interesting article in terms of its quality, but a, a kind of blog that I read, and I'm not going to call the person out because I feel a bit bad doing that. But it was presented as news, and it was much like more, and it was much more of, a <laughs> and it was much more of an opinion piece than it was news. That Todd Gurley had a point, basically. And this was coming from a British writer. Um, but then read into a lot of other stuff. What like said something like. Um, who else was at the podium? There was uh, someone like Robert Quinn or somebody, or Michael Brock, as it was, who who kind of basically s- suggested that the fans weren't happy. I was like, well, yeah, what fans, mate? You've got to fill your stadium first before you start bringing us that. 100%. Um, but he didn't actually say it. He kind of... Uh, insinuated it and then this writer went but we could all read between the lines and let's be honest it's what we all already know or something and you're just like this person's coming with their opinion already set and not actually listening to what people are saying and not taking a a kind of metered view of it it annoyed me a little bit but what it made me realize overall is actually i think we speak to a lot of these players a lot of these coaches when they come over and i don't I think many are genuine about their positive feelings about the games in London. Um, And it's weird that Jared Goff came out and said something in his press conference saying about like the fans not cheering in the right moments and stuff like that. Basically like that old thing from when the games were first over here. Oh, look at the British fans cheering at the kicks and stuff like that. But 
The reason for that, Jared, is last year you were playing the New York Giants, one of the most popular teams in this country. And it's kind of – the Giants are always underrated when we talk about the most popular teams because everyone looks back at those 80s teams, the Bears, the Dolphins, the 49ers, who were popular from the first time round. And then this time round, they look at the Patriots, uh, more and more so the Seahawks over recent seasons because success – when new fans come to a sport, the teams that are successful are the teams they latch onto because they see them in the Super Bowl. They see them in the playoffs. I don't blame people for that at all. But let's not forget the Giants have won two Super Bowls in the time that we've been having games in London. Yeah. And there are a lot of Giants fans out there. And it was a predominantly Giants crowd at Twickenham last year. I would really like to see the home fans prove Jared Goff wrong and be quiet when the Rams are on offense and be louder in their on defense and just kind of shut people up a little bit, to be honest. I'm with you, let's- mate. Let's make this a home Rams game, even though I really like the Cardinals and BA and everyone else involved. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to the Cardinals, but that, that's, yeah, I'm with, I'm, with we... you. I'm with you in spirit. Fill the trolley with your favourite brands on rollback at Asda. A 38-pack of Fairy Non-Bio Capsules was £8.50, now £5.75. And Lenore Gold Fabric Conditioner was £4, now £2.50. Big brands, small prices. Don't compromise. Asda. Save money, live better. Selected stores subject to availability. Lenore, 1.925 litres. Ends 18th of March. Shall we rock through the rest of the uh, six o'clock kickoffs? There are a few tasty games in here. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's start off with, I'm just going to go in whatever order this website has decided to do them in, which I think is alphabetical. I thought was alphabetical. And then randomly they had Saints after Titans. So, mate, this is very confusing. Uh, anyway, let's go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. The, the Buccaneers woeful away from home this season so far, going up against a really tough Bills defense and... We still don't know uh, what the latest is on um, uh, on Jameis Winston. I thought he, uh, ja- I thought he said he was going to suit up. Jameis Winston, he was full go on on Friday and said he would start. But what is full go? What is Jameis Winston? Is a guy who I I, I think that his decision making is his biggest problem but actually is a better pocket quarterback overall than people rate him. And they always talk about what he can do with his legs. And yes, he can make those plays. But if Winston isn't feeling particularly, uh, you know, that he can move and get out of the pocket and roll out and use play action and do all those things that we know these quarterbacks do to take some of the pressure off them and help get guys open, if he's a bit too static, the Bills' defense is good enough to take advantage of that. And that's the concern for me. And I think the Bucks are going to fall to two and four this weekend. And the Bills are going to be a real surprise through seven weeks of the season. I'm with you. I'm with you. They they uh, had a bye last week, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Had a bye last <laughs> week. Hope they did. Um, Tampa Bay, all right. It was very gunky, 27 points or however many it was from uh, Ryan Fitzmagic. But... Uh, yeah. The, yeah, the Bills the Bills defense are the best scoring defense in the NFL right now. There we go. Averaging 14.8 ga- 18 points a ga- 14.8 points per game. They could do with upping their takeaways a little bit. And I like Tyrod as well. I, I I'm all in on the Bills. I, I really am all in on the Bills for this one. Yeah, LaShawn McCoy's look pretty good. Um Yeah, yeah. And we still don't know what's going to happen with um, Kwan Alexander as well, whether he's going to be back, and those linebackers were missed massively the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on the Bills. I'm in on um, the Bills. I'm in on the Bills. 
the Baltimore Ravens travel to face the Minnesota Vikings. This was that really interesting thing I was saying earlier that Greg Rosenthal was talking about. They only run two packages on defense on 96% of their plays. They have their 11 starters have all been with the team at least for the last three years. Mike Zimmer, who is one of the most old school coaches in the NFL, has gone full old school on this Vikings defense. And I'm loving what I'm seeing from it. They're at home which is a big thing for them. Um, they are about to have the biggest quarterback controversy in the NFL yeah. with three guys who... Three guys. <laughs> with three guys all getting fit around week 10, <laughs> by the feeling of it. But Case Keenum has done enough. Like The fact is, is Case Keenum has... It's not... He's not Jacoby Brissetted it. He's not you know, played so well that he'd go, oh, I think he'd start on six or seven NFL teams. But Case Keenum has proved himself to be a more than capable backup, a, a top, top-end backup with this run of three or four games because he's run the offense well. He's run the same offense that Sam Bradford's running, not as efficiently as we saw Bradford run it when he was fully fit, but at a high enough level. Um, and actually, yes, the Ravens' defense is a tough one when they're good, but the Ravens' offense is garbage. Oh, like Flacco Joe Flacco is, is dreadful. Yeah, absolutely awful. Twice as many interceptions as he's got touchdowns so far this year. That's insane for a guy that's won the Super Bowl. Yeah, isn't it? The one that the won the Super Bowl, the season that he backed himself, won the Super Bowl, and then got the biggest contract in NFL history. It was at the time. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I really think that. The, the, what's interesting Baltimore are allowing a lot of running yards at the moment and it comes back to that same question I feel like we talk about Brandon Williams more on this show than we do any other player in the NFL at the moment um, but if Brandon Williams is still uh, missing with this foot injury which he's not expected to be this weekend he's actually he was in he was practicing all week had a couple of limiteds but he was practicing all week so Brandon Williams could be back but Jarrett McKinnon ran the ball really well against the Packers and they can rotate Latavius Murray in, and we all know how I feel about Latavius Murray. But but Latavius Murray, again, I know it's against a bit of a shot Packers team, but looked pretty good as well, running the ball. He's, and he's a good one-cut back, Murray. I, you know, I, there's a potential for the Vikings to run the ball for 120, 130 yards, 140 yards, something in this game. And then Case Keenum just needs a couple of hundred in the air, and that would be more than enough to you know, put 21 to 28 points up, and that would be more than enough to beat the Ravens team in theory, who who are terrible on offense. So I'm taking the Vikings. I'm also taking the Vikings. I think what's interesting is that um, Case Keenum has managed to find or get the best out of, weirdly, a, a player like Adam Thielen. Um, Carl Rudolph, Rudolph as well is playing really well. But Adam Thielen, really enjoy watching him play. He manages to... The ball seems to follow him around, doesn't it? And he's really he's really great to watch he's got good hands good feet as well you know catching the ball tiptoes still in bounds I really like watching him play Stefan Diggs I'm not sure whether Stefan Diggs is going to come back or not this week but if he does then you've got two really really nice wide receivers backed up by um uh by Carl Rudolph and then we saw Laquan Treadmill last week as well so (laughs) I like what the Minnesota are doing so it's no digs this weekend. No digs. Um, so look, see, expect more from Laquan Treadmill. Uh, let's go Jags Colts next at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, Jags at three and three. Colts at two and four. But it's the Jags on the road, uh, so they should win this one, right? 
I mean, uh, yeah, that's how it works. They Why are, are they so bad in Florida? <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Uh, it's so weird. It's like they're setting up to, to suggest to everyone they should move. Um, yeah, maybe they should. Where could they go? <laughs> I know, if it's the NFL, they'll put probably them in put a, them in Los, put them in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the Colts, actually, I, I, did, I thought they played well against the Titans. They lost 36-22, but the... They they made they built a lead and then they couldn't maintain it and then there were some bad coaching decisions on the final drive the way they went for it on fourth and one etc was poor you've got a tank at quarterback and you're not running the ball up the gut you've got Frank Gore in the backfield you're not running the ball up the gut they didn't run Marlon Mack anywhere near enough on Monday they made silly mistakes on offense and the, yes it's a two touchdown loss but thanks to that huge Derrick Henry run at the end so the Colts. I've been a. Uh, I know it's weird to say for a two and four team, but a two and four team who we now Andrew Lux had a setback in practice. We might be seeing a whole season of Jacoby Brissett. The Colts, uh, as a two and four team, have been better than I thought they were going to be. I just think the Jags' defense should be able to take care of them this weekend. They should be good enough. Um, and if Leonard Fournette is full go, then I foresee no huge problem for the Jags. Big if that, though, Leonard Fournette. He went out of the game, but then briefly came back. Wasn't it an ankle injury or something like that? He keeps insisting he's going to play this weekend, but he hasn't practiced at all. Now, I always feel like a running back is a player who actually doesn't need to practice. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we've seen seen good running back performances from, from players who have missed four out of five days of training. Maybe sitting out the whole week is too much. When Chris Ivory do it, I'm really, really torn on this. This is becoming a real coin flip game in my head. What do you think? A couple of questions. Maybe we get an amazing Bortles game. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. That's the only thing that we know for sure <laughs> will not happen. You mean in the same way we knew for sure that the New York Giants, with the worst running offense, no wide receivers, and a defense that was giving up a lot of yards, despite meant to be good on paper, was definitely going to lose to the Broncos? Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> anyway, moving on. No, what do you think of, of one? Why are they? I want to pick your brains on this about their rush, their running game. Frank Gore is Frank Gore. Nothing to say about him. Why aren't they using Marlon Mack more? And isn't it very similar I, I, to? I, um, I can't answer. I, I literally can't answer that question. Like I, I love Frank Gore, and you know I want him to get that extra eight hundred yards that put him fourth on the all-time rushing list. And I, you know, I, I think he's a an all-time great running back, and I think he should be going to the Hall of Fame. I just. I just don't know. I just Marlon Max look really impressive, and I know they're trying to bring him in. There's this thing about, you know, with uh, thing about with like Andrew Luck. Is there any point if, say, week eleven he declares himself ready to play, or maybe later than that, maybe week twelve or thirteen, and their season they're already four and eight or whatever they'd be at that point. No chance of going to the playoffs. There's an argument for just sitting him the whole season and having him full fully fit for the next off season. Whoa, 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 whoa. There may be a chance of going to the playoffs if they're four and eight in that division. <laughs> they, if they finish eight and eight, maybe. Maybe if they, they finish with three divisional games, it could happen. Um, you know, is there just is there an argument with Marlon Mack? They're just trying to introduce him slowly to the game, like know that Frank Gore, you know, just just get the last wear off the tread of the tires that is Frank Gore, and have Marlon Mack as somebody who can be well, explosive later in the season. I, I, I'm where, trying to justify a terrible decision here. Where I'm where I'm going with it really is let's leave Frank Gore in the game and instead of using Robert Turbin, who 
isn't the best NFL player on the planet. But you know, as soon as Robert Turbin comes into the game, he's either going to get a dump off or he's going to run it. It's that, it's that um, obvious showing your hand thing that um, a lot of teams do. We we saw it with uh, with the Carolina Panthers that it, every time Jonathan Stewart's in the game, they know the ball's going to go to Jonathan Stewart. Mm-hmm. So. Just get away from from showing your hand too early and use Marlon Mack, who's looked really, really shifty and really good. Just please, let's use him. I want to see the best players on the field. That's my plea to you, Pagano. That's that's fair. I'm going to take the Jags because they're on the road and that's where they win. But I think this is the most coin flippy of games that we've come across so far this week, including Patriots-Falcons. I think I've taken the Jags as well. Right, Jets-Dolphins. In Miami, this is really a either of these teams for real game. I think the Dolphins' defense might be for real. I still don't know about JJ. I know he had a big game last weekend. But he just feels too much like one of those players to me who has four or five big games a season, but isn't. He's, he's the opposite of Frank Gore, who grinds out 80, 90 yards every week, no matter what. JJ is the sort of player who, if he's not, game flow's not going his way, and. He's struggling to get past the, the first the first tier. I know he's got some explosiveness, but he's a guy who you need to be able to get past the first tier to display that. He just has too many like forty yard games in a season, and then three two hundred yard games, and everyone's like, "Oh, look at his stats overall; they look great." Um, and the Jets' defense, Jets' defense has been good. Jets' offense managed to move the ball against the Patriots. Yeah. I think this could be a one of the, I've said this a few times this season. This could be quite a grotty game, quite a low-scoring game, and mm, I think I'm going to take the Dolphins' defense to do it at home. But I don't like it. It feels like if the Jets were playing and or they're playing the Dolphins who didn't have Jay Cutler, this could be a really high-scoring game. But I think because Jay Cutler's playing, he brings. Josh McCown down to his level. <laughs> it, this is my prediction. And I think we've seen that in a lot of other uh, games with the Dolphins. We saw it, it with the Saints. Okay, the Saints put, beat them and put a bagel on them. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't fluid. It wasn't it wasn't a game with amazing plays. That's because I think Drew Brees was affected by Jay Cutler's negativity and it brought <laughs> Drew Brees down. And I think the same could happen here. I'm, I like the I like the idea that first ballot future Hall of Fame of the man with the most five thousand yard seasons by a country mile was just brought down from fifty yards away by Jay Cutler being super negative. I really think it is. It's, there's that negative glare coming across from the op- the opposite sideline, and it's Jay Cutler. You know how he holds his um, his collar uh, with his arms out in yeah, front of him. He always, I know exactly what you mean. And he's he's there, and there's this this stench of failure around him and i think it's affecting everybody it's affected jj we've, we've talked too that. much about this game yeah Come let's on. move let's on let's move on I'm, I'm, um, I'm gonna take the jets i tell you the other reason i'm not taking the jets Mohammed wilkerson sat out practice on friday and no, i'm I taking think, the dolphins and that means <laughs> jj might have a really good day yeah. considering that um uh, mitchell trubisky 
going up against the Panthers in Soldier Field. The Chicago Bears 2-4, the Panthers at 4-2. and two. Panthers, it was a tough, tough loss against the Eagles for them. But what we did see was Julius Peppers playing like 25-year-old Julius Peppers. And I think they might have a... I think Mitch Trubisky might have a tough day against the Carolina Panthers defense. Um, they're only three points favorites, the Panthers, which I think is amazing. Maybe it's because they're going on the road or they've not had big, big wins this season. But I'm taking the Panthers. And I think I'm taking the Panthers by a distance as well. Sorry, Chicago. I'm with you on that. I always bet against Chicago. I never bet, but I always go against Chicago. <laughs> I am taking the Panthers again with you. Big, big margin. I think this could be the day, and I keep saying it, could be the day that Christian McCaffrey finally has a monster game. I, that's the only thing for me, is that you've got... Carolina have got a really stout front, and Jordan Howard, he, he carried the ball 36 times last week. How's that going to work out? That's what makes me feel a little bit tighter on it. The, the Panthers have the fifth-best rush defense in the league, but actually the Bears haven't been terrible against the run. And... Panthers have been unable to run the ball. Oh, it's oh, maybe I'm talking myself into being a tight game than I thought it was going to be. But that always happens when I talk too long. So I'm taking the Panthers. <laughs> Ti- oh, Titans, Browns. Oh, oh no! It, it, is it Thursday night? It feels like this should be on a Thursday <laughs> night. Um, Titans, Browns. I mean, I'm just going to take the Titans to win because I think the Browns might be going 0 16. <laughs> Whoa! No, I don't. When are they playing the Forty Niners? Yeah, God, if that's if that is happening this season, I actually don't know if that's happening this season. Wooden spoon bowl. Yeah, the number one overall pick bowl. Just to start seeing people throwing interceptions on purpose and punting out of the back of their own end zones to give the other teams touchback. It's just like I just can't. Yeah, I can't envision. It was the last game of the season for both teams, and they're both zero and fifteen, and then. That game is to is is for the number one draft pick and both take. Uh, no. I mean, I, it's so fanciful and it, it's not happening. But you know, I like it. Titans run game too much uh, in this. Um, Derek Henry and Demarco Murray have produced six hundred and I'm just doing the maths quickly. Six hundred and thirty-one running yards between the two of them already this season. Four touchdowns and those are split three eighteen, three thirteen, and two touchdowns apiece. Plus, Marcus Mariota's rushed for three touchdowns. I just like their running game too much. And I think that'll give the Browns some problems, and I think the Titans will win. Mariota didn't really move uh, many many paces or, or any paces at all uh, in the game last week. Who did they play last week? Anyway, he, he was a pure pocket guy because of that hamstring issue. Uh, depending on how much that's fixed, we could see him moving more. But he looked really good. Uh, but one key thing is... Miles Garrett, his reps are going up. He had a sack of his first ever NFL play, which is which is pretty cool. And if Mariota isn't moving that well, the offensive line of the Titans hasn't been as great as everyone thought it would be, especially Peter King. Oh, it's had a couple of good games. It's just had a couple of bad games as well. I I love them tackles. Oh, Titans, I'm going to go the Browns. Wow. I'm picking. Kaiser's back in. I'm good Browns. Good Browns. Oh God. If you've, <laughs> did you do that just to set up so that you could justify picking the Packers as well? Uh, I'm not sure whether I can 
like, I don't know whether I could pick the Packers. I really three and, the three and two Saints at the four and two Packers at Lambeau Field. Going to be a very very rare occasion where Green Bay are not favoured at home. Aaron Rodgers, who we're hearing now, could be back in December, yeah. I believe. Yeah, December seventeenth, whatever game that is for the Packers. Um, All right, let's 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 do a little bit of uh, of fantasy forward looking here, not fantasy football, but about just looking forward to to the schedule over that period of time. So we're talking Saints home, I, Lions I say home, loss. Lions, Lions home. home. I think win because you're coming off the bye, enough time to prepare for the Lions. Get Hunley totally au fait with everything that's going on. I say that's a win. Bears on the road. I think that could be a defeat. Ravens at home. That's a win. Steelers on the road. That's a defeat. Bucks at home. Win. <laughs> so we've got you going three and three so far. Yeah. Why? Why is damn Google? So this is why we should do some preparation for Bucks, the show. Bucks at home. Then they're, they're away at the Browns. Packers win. Then yeah. At the Panthers. Packers defeat. So that's four and four. Vikings at home, and then in theory Rogers is back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, this is so. This is it. I just wanted to go up until Rogers is back. In fact, Rogers is back for that Pat- Panthers game. So maybe, Depend- maybe. Yeah. Let's say he's not. Let's say he's back a week later. Yeah, against so the what Vikings, we're saying, yeah. what we're saying is against though uh, through the next eight, you're hoping they'll go four and four, yeah, which would have them eight and six for the season, with two games left to play with Aaron Rodgers back. Maybe the Packers season isn't done. There we go. Have I just installed a horrendous amount of false hope in you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you That's doing this that... to me, man? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I think that they're the issue for them this weekend, and the reason that I do fancy the Saints, is that now that Adrian Peterson's gone, we saw a much clearer running game from the Saints last weekend. Yeah. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, um, 185 scrimmage yards between them in the uh, per like per game is the average, which is fantastic. 44 touches and 237 yards last weekend. Um, and we saw what Jarrett McKinnon did for the Vikings last weekend. And this is the reason I said about Jarrett McKinnon looking impressive last weekend was something that noted is that Jarrett McKinnon's one of those players who, with Peterson when he went down, with all the problems that the Vikings have had at running back, I've uh, with and then with quarterback as well, because the theory is quarterback goes out, you lean on the run game more. I've picked up Jarrett McKinnon in fantasy leagues every season for the last three years and like on the waivers and he is disappointed every single time he's come in. (laughs) Never showed any real consistency. So of course this time around I decided to go for Latavius Murray over Jarrett McKinnon and he was really impressive. The point being is that I just think that if Jarrett McKinnon is gashing your run defence I think that the Saints will have even more fun with that and then you have to add the Brett Hundley player into it. Another another key thing is I think on the Wednesday practice report or injury report, Green Bay had fifteen players on that injury report. Wow! The Saints had That's two. Crazy. The Saints That's had crazy. two. So Green Bay are more than banged up. Their leader is gone. Um, the tackles are both off the injury report. So they're back. They're off now. Okay. Yeah, Lane Taylor is doubtful, but the tackles are both ready to go. So, come on, some positivity. You're going to lose, but some positivity. Thanks, mate. I'm taking the Saints. Great. (laughs) I I will take the Packers, but that's definitely heart ruling head. I'm excited to watch this game because I want to see what we get from Brett Hundley with a week of practice with the firsts. Because he's really not taken many snaps with the first over the recent seasons. And 
I've got to say, Brett, oh, Brett Hundley is. Uh, uh, everyone is talking about what he's going to offer them. Everyone's saying this, that, and the other. I haven't seen anywhere near enough of him to be able to judge him. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Right, three nine o'clock kickoffs. Let's get to them because we are closing in on that hour mark yet again. Oh, yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Seahawks Giants. Two teams with the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Two teams with great pass rush. I think this game is going to finish 9-3 to the Seahawks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're going to see a single offensive touchdown. It's going to be all field goals. Oh, my goodness. That was, that's, <laughs> that's so bleak. And at the beginning of the year, lots of people were tipping this as being the NFC Championship game. And it's Seahawks-Giants. Two teams which hey, really haven't impressed impressed in any way. Hey, all those people planning to start Orleans Darkwater after his big game last weekend, don't get too excited. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to be so negative about it. I cannot it. argue with this that. Is, this is not a game I'm excited about, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah. yeah. But they were really good against the Broncos last weekend. They were. They were. On the right side of the line, Justin Pugh and DJ Fluker look really good. Which is weird, because they they bottled up Von Miller. Oh, uh, maybe the Giants will win. I'd love the Giants to win the Seahawks. Seahawks are home. No Giants is a mere life. <sighs> Seahawks are four point favourites. I think the Giants might win. I'm going to take the Giants. Why not? Let's have some fun. I'm going to take the Seahawks. We'll let Matt Sherry establish a bigger lead in the uh, in the yeah, <laughs> in the running over us. Uh, Chargers Broncos. This is a really intriguing game in LA. Broncos, although that really doesn't mean anything, Broncos are just one point <laughs> favourites. Um, but the Broncos coming off that horrible loss against the Giants, the Broncos are much worse road team than they are a home team. And they're coming up against the Chargers team who have won two on the bounce and managed to win a game in the fourth quarter when they were behind last weekend. There's just some positivities. There is. Simeon looked like the player. That, that you thought us, he was last year. I thought he was last year, <laughs> uh, which is worrying. They couldn't really get much going on the ground, um, and they looked rather insipid on defense as well, especially that run defense. Um, but all of that aside, they're going to Los Angeles, a place where no one turns up if you're a Chargers fan. I think the Bronco Nation... Broncos country will will turn up in force. They on the road, yeah. The Broncos aren't great going east coast, but I should think their their record going west coast is far better. So I'm picking the Broncos. I really like Melvin Gordon in this game potentially after the Broncos last weekend. I think he could be a surprise. Um, you've got. Three of the best pass rushers in the league in this game. Uh, Melvin Ingram, seven and a half sacks on the season. Joe Bosa, five and a half. Von Miller on five as well. So there's some exciting stuff to see in the trenches in this game. I think the Broncos will bounce back after last week. It's a real test for Anthony Lynn as a a first-year head coach. But everything we've heard about him is that he is a man motivator. Yeah. I am going to take the Broncos as well. I'm I'm Broncos. Broncos. And then we finish off on Bengals Steelers. The two and three Bengals traveling to Hinesfield to take on the Steelers, who lead the AFC North and coming off a huge win against the previously underfitted Kansas City Chiefs. But the Bengals off a bye week, time to recharge, get healthy, started the season 0 3. They've won their last two on the bounce going into the bye week. 
I, you know, the Bengals' life is feeling a bit more positive in the state of Ohio. Well, at least on the Cincinnati side, maybe not on the Cleveland side. Is there a thought that this is kind of the worst possible game for them to get off the back of that bye? To have to go to their fiercest division rivals and face off against the Steelers team on a high off last week. Well, that's exactly it. The Steelers going over to Arrowhead and doing what they did, shutting them down, and then in the process, getting their big guys, their main guys, Le'Veon Bell and uh, Antonio Brown, getting those two effectively going and, and kick-starting their personal seasons, then they then they have to face the Bengals. Now, the Bengals' defense always plays hard, and these NFC North games are always really, really tight. I think five-point... Um, favourites on the Steelers are over the Bengals I suppose that's maybe a little gen- no maybe that seems about right because the Bengals will either be really close or they'll implode badly if they lose so uh... the, 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 the Cincinnati defence has actually had a really good history against the Steelers and, the, and their run offence in particular. They're really good at shutting Le'Veon Bell down. It's something they've done in a couple of games in a big way. He is starting to look really good after being handed the ball a lot the last two weeks. On the other side, the Bengals run offence. I mean, Bill Lazor's come in and, and really managed to hoist them back up onto their feet and get them firing again. But the run offence is terrible. Joe Mixon is the only Bengals player with over 100 rushing yards total through the first five games of the season. And he stands at just 187 yards, a paltry 37.4 yards per contest. While the Steelers' rush defence has allowed up, a lot, allowed up a lot of yards. And yes, they've had to go up against the likes of of Kareem Hunt and stuff, but having had a really terrible first five weeks of run defense, they completely stuffed Kareem Hunt last week. Yeah. Nine rushes, 21 carries. So are the Steelers getting healthy in just the right area? Are the Bengals struggling there? That's a really interesting battle for me. Oh, there's a little part of me that wants to take the Bengals on the road here. I feel like I'm having a real bold week, and I don't know if that's just because I'm a little bit hungover and a little bit tired and a little bit like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. I Do might take the. Go on. I'm going to say the Bengals. Right, Bengals in an upset. You're an idiot. I, I'm taking this. <laughs> I'm taking the Steelers. They have ridden I out. Take, I think I have taken the Steelers on the uh, on the Pickham game, but. <laughs> Do I have I, to change that now that I've said something different? No, just leave it. No one takes any notice of us and our picks today. No. Um, We've ne- we nearly missed a game, by the way. I said this was the last game. I completely missed the Cowboys 49ers game. <laughs> your own team. You missed yeah. your own team playing. Wow. Uh, well, what I do is I open all of the games in an individual tab yeah. when we first go through so With that I can you. have the injury reports and stuff in front of me. And I just must have not pressed on the 49ers game. Where is the 49ers? Oh, there it is. So we yeah. still have to talk about that. Um, Dallas had their training camp over in California, didn't they? Pre-season. They, they, are, they do, I think. It's a pretty regular thing. Yeah, so you know, they're not, they're not unaccustomed to going out West Coast. San Francisco, okay, there's that amazing stat that everybody's floating about 33 points, can, the amount of... The, the difference, the lowest amount of any team that started zero and six or whatever. Um, but are they at, are they any good, or have they just been playing bad teams? I don't know. I, I yeah, I I, I if, if this is this is a historic, great all time rivalry. 
that's offered up NFC title games, that's offered up Super Bowls being exchanged left, right and centre during that period of glory for both of these teams. These are two teams who traditionally hate each other. Yeah. Their, their renewed rivalry, if you include the postseason, 17-17-1. This is a great all-time game that's kind of slightly ruined by at least one of these teams being bad and maybe both of them. Uh, the, the Zeke Elliott back on the field is a, is a big deal, and particularly with the 49ers having let Navarro Bowman go last week, and he looked great for the Raiders yeah. against the Chiefs, by the way. Had a really good game. Um, like, uh, like, Might be just the right thing that the Raiders needed. Um, Ruben Foster was limited all week. Ray Ray Armstrong's been brilliant for the 49ers, a linebacker, but I think Zeke Elliott could have a lot of fun uh, in San Francisco. And then we've got the CJ Bathard factor. Yes, he came in against Washington and had a really nice, uh, I think uh, while he was on the field, we outscored them 24 to nine and his accuracy looks a little off, but uh, you know, he's, I think again, another guy with a week of firsts, that'll be an interesting battle to see. But I, I think that what we're going to look for here is the 49ers to lose by three or less points again. I think it'll be more Sean Lee's back. And is, is he actually back back? Well, it, the injury report says that it was full practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sean Lee's back. Sean Lee's back. And I think that's a huge, huge pendulum swing, if if you like, from it being a, a less than three-point win than more than a ten-point win. Yeah, I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, Cowboys for me. Oh, dear. Right, that's everything. A nice tight hour. Good work, Ollie. Uh, we will be. I'll be at the game tomorrow. So if anyone sees me in my little freezing cold commentary position, my wife will be there as well. That's all our friend Adam having a wonderful day out. Um, if anyone sees, come over, say hello, let's have a chat, let's talk some football. I'm always finding fun doing that. Felt really bad that when we were at Jags practice, there were a couple of guys like chatting to me, but I had to rush off and do an interview. And then one of them tweeted this week saying, "Oh, I met Will at the." The, the Jags practice and I'm like I'm really sorry that I I'd, I'd love to like it's a real rarity that anything like that has happened but when it does it's really lovely to just chat football with people that isn't you uh, hey I mean that with all the love in the world but I talk football with you every week yeah that's true at least three or four times a week that's very true and that's just in a professional capacity <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then there's all the times we talk about it outside of that as well um, yeah I will see you when I get back to the studio tomorrow okay have fun with Nat and Mike and the team. Oh, I always do. And um, I look forward to seeing people at Twickenham, and then I'll be back for the late game, and then Falcons Patriots on Talk Sports. So another good weekend, and we'll be back on Monday or Tuesday with another show. It, it just goes on, doesn't it? Just keep it on. really does. We keep on trucking. We love it. It really does. Right, uh, touchdowntrips.com. Go there for your travel needs. They are the best. Ben Mortimer is the best. So um, get in touch with those guys if you are planning to do any travel uh, and go out and see a game in the States because it is the absolute best. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Check us out on Skype and all the other usual places. Skype? Why does I say Skype? It's because I've got Skype open in front of me. Twitter and all the other usual places. I get in trouble with Josh, so don't mention the Instagram. At UK Gridiron on Instagram. Find us there as well. Ollie, any final thoughts? Yeah, on, on touchdown trips. A guy that I went on a, the trip with the other company last year he reached they out. Who shall, they who shall not be named. Yeah, um, Jason. He reached out to me on Twitter. He told me about this incredible new, incredible site which tells you what teams are wearing which uniforms um, each week. Which is it's incredible. I love it. That's how we know that the Chargers are in their powder blue uniforms. 
against the Broncos tomorrow or later today. Oh, big fan of that. Yes, so that's great. But he said that uh, he'd just come back uh, from a trip to Oakland to see his Raiders. He's a Raiders fan um, with touchdown trips and had a great time. So people, there are people out there that do go, that are listeners that do go on, on, on these trips and you, honestly, it's it's such good value, and you have the best time. And he's a repeat offender. That's his third or fourth go- time going. So well done, Jason. Beautiful stuff. Thank you very much for listening. At Gridiron on Twitter, this has been the Gridiron Show. Hooray!